the survey meaning that we're gonna we're gonna hit the high points of this book uh, that I think it's uh, it's a timely uh, book from the standpoint of you know it's, it's, it's in the Word of God but in particular I think that some of the habits and the traits that we're gonna see in God's people that they were exhibiting at this time I believe are being shown uh, in the lives of us believers here in America today so go to the book of Joel um, you can use your table of contents to find it if you haven't been there in a while. Uh, this book is one that, I, that we, when we look at, we see uh, a major theme from this book is blessing from God follows obedience to him. Can we repeat that in unison together? Say blessing from God follows obedience to him. Say it again. Blessing from God follows obedience to him and that is something that we have to get down in our spirits and get time in our minds and understand obedience to him is critically important to us reaping the benefits of his blessing okay and so when we look at this uh this book we see that the author is joel who's the son of pethuel and joel's name means the lord is god and so he writes this book to warn Judah of God's impending judgment because of its sins. And, and he writes it to urge the people to turn back to God. I believe, guys, that we're in a period or a cycle in, in the history and the culture of this country that we live in called America where there is a, a dire need for believers to turn back to God. There is a dire need for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to get its focus off of politics, to get its focus off of what's happening over here and what the people over here are doing and are not doing and put our focus squarely back on God so that we can begin to walk in obedience to his word. Because, again, after all, blessing from God follows obedience to him. And so what was going on here? Uh, in particular, the people of Judah had become prosperous and complacent. They become prosperous and complacent. In other words, when God had allowed them to prosper, uh, they forgot about him. You remember uh, there was a, a passage that we quote all the time, and it's over the book of Deut Deuteronomy. It says, uh, thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee the power or the authority or the ability to get wealth so that he may establish his covenant. And when that was being spoken to God's people, it was being spoken to them prior to them going over into the land of promise. And so why was God reminding them that, that when you get over there in the land where I'm going to prosper you, make sure you do not forget that I am the one who gave you the ability to prosper. It is so like mankind to begin to think that uh, when he is prospering and when things are going well, that he did it out of his own ability, out of his own money, out of his own intellect, and out of his own strength. And not realizing that it is God that gives us the ability to get wealth. It is God that, that establishes our hand. And so the, the, the nation of Judah had become prosperous, but they become complacent. They were taking God for granted and they had turned to self-centeredness and they had turned to idolatry and they had 
turned to sin. They begin to, to, to walk in open sin. Now, guys, uh, I, I'm going to share something with you. We're living in a culture at a time now where even in the church, people are in sin and it's not bothering them. Um, and what God has told me, and I don't know what he's told anybody else, but one thing he's told me is that, that if we don't turn away from our sins, he can't do in and through us what he wants to do in and through us. And so there are some things that we got to begin to call out. We've got to begin to challenge people to live a holy life, to live a righteous life, because church is more than just coming on Sundays and Wednesdays and studying a little bit of Bible. Uh, our church life and, and our Christianity has to be a, a lifestyle that we live out every day, and it's not something that we just pick up on Sundays and Wednesdays. And so that means that when we're in authentic community with fellow believers and we know and we are of and we we see what that 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 believer who we're in authentic community with is in sin and is not trying to repent and get out of that sin we need to begin to challenge each other to live our life to the fullest and live it in in, in a god-honoring holy type way amen so we look at this, this group here, the, the nation of Judah have become prosperous and they become complacent and they begin to be self-centered. They begin to, to, to go after idol gods and they begin to wallow in sin. To wallow in it means that you just stay in it. Not that you just messed up and you were remorseful, but you keep doing the stuff over and over again. And what God is saying is it's time for the church to identify where it is, to examine ourselves, to see where we're coming short. Amen? To examine ourselves, to see where we are not lining up with Scripture. The Bible and God's Word has to become so important to us that when we see ourselves in the mirror of the Word, that we, we make the course correction that God desires for us to make. Can I get a witness? And that's what we got to do. It, you know, too many of our churches have stopped preaching about hell, and have stopped preaching about sin in the midst of the camp. And when we stop preaching about that, then what we end up doing is by our silence, we are okaying that. So what I want to tell you is that as a church family, we're going to help everybody here. If you're struggling with something, that's one thing. But, but to, to, to indulge in something and have no remorse and no repentance, that is not acceptable to God. And it should not be acceptable to you. And it's sure not acceptable to the church. Amen. So let's look at this text and see if we can pull out some things that can help us in our walk. Because all of us, if we're not careful, when things are going well, we can begin to, to not put that focus on God like we need to. Can I get a witness? So, so, so look at the context of this and we'll, we'll, we'll jump into something to, to word here. Uh, look, look, the outline says a devastating swarm of locusts had just ripped through the land of Judah, resulting in a famine in the land. And the the... This loc the loc you know, how many of y'all, you don't see them, I don't see them as much as I used to growing up, but y'all know what a locust look like? Anybody? Uh, you know, if you remember uh, the story uh, of Moses when he went down to, uh, to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let my people go, one of the plagues that, he, that, that God sent was a plague of locusts. And locusts, when locusts come in numbers like that, they, they eat up everything, all the crops, they just, just devour it. And so as a result of the locust plague coming through there, which was a part of God's judgment upon his people, there was famine in the land. 
And guys, I'm going to tell you something. When God's judgment falls, uh, it, it falls because we have failed to walk in obedience to him. We are his children and whom God loves, he chases, right? He, he, God loves us enough to where he's, gonna, he's not going to allow us to just keep going uh, in our wayward path without some kind of course correction coming our way. Any parent, hear me carefully, any parent that truly loves their child will not allow their child just to go wayward and do whatever they want to do and not discipline them. If you truly love them. I said, if you truly love them. Now, grandparents may spoil them, but it ain't really the grandparents' responsibility to raise the child. Hello, any grandparents? Grandparents, you say, I'm going to spoil them because you, you, you gave me. But it's really not the grandparents' job to raise the child. Y'all know that, right? It's the mama and the daddy's job to rear the child. Can I get a witness? So parents, if you really love your child, then you're going to have to discipline them. Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, he chastens. And so what we see happening here in the book of Joel, which is a prophetic book, and we're going to see that it foreshadows, amen, a coming end time or eschatological judgment that's going to come at the end time. This eschatology is the study of end time events, and we're going to see this locust swarm that came in and, and ate up all the crop and created a famine in the land, it's just a foreshadowing. It is, it's a foreshadowing of a future judgment that's going to come during the end times, all right? Because we are living in a day and age, guys, where when you look at what's happening in society, when you look at the course uh, of the direction which this country and, and this globe is going in, I believe strongly with all my might that we are being set up, amen, for the end times. I believe we're being set up for the time when Jesus will come back for his church, okay? So let's start, if we will, uh, look with me in John, uh, Joel chapter 1, uh, verse number 1. So we're going to begin our reading there. But, but again, uh, Joel indicated that as bad as the locust plague was, it will pale by comparison to God's day of judgment, which we'll talk about that a little bit later on, okay? So blessing can only follow obedience, Blessing can only follow obedience. The text says, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethiel. Verse number two, let's read. Hear this, you leaders of the people. Listen, all who live in the land, in all your history, has anything like this happened before? Tell your children about it in the years to come and let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to generation. After the cutting locusts finished eating the crops, the swarming locusts took what was left. After them came the hopping locusts. There's a whole bunch of locusts, y'all. The hopping locusts and then the stripping locusts, too. Wake up, you drunkards, and weep. Wail, all you wine drinkers. All the grapes are ruined and all your sweet wine is gone. A vast army of locusts has invaded my land. A terrible army, two numbers to count. Its teeth are like lion's teeth. Its fangs like those of a lioness. It has destroyed my grapevines and ruined my fig trees and stripping their bark and destroyed it, leaving the branches white and bare. In other words, I'm not going to go through all of these, but what he's telling them is, is that this locust plague that has come upon you has destroyed all your crops. Are y'all with me? They have destroyed all of your crops. But again, this was part of God's judgment. Again, why was God bringing judgment on his people? 
because they were disobedient, because they had strayed away from him, because they had become prosperous and what? Complacent. Guys, the danger that I see with the church today is we've become complacent with our Christianity. Uh, we, we've, we've gotten uh, comfortable, and Christianity was never designed for us just to be comfortable. It was designed for us to, to have a yearning on the inside that will not let us rest uh, when we know somebody needs to know Jesus and they don't know him. It, 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 it was designed for us to have that, that unction that would push us to the point to where we say, if that person doesn't know Christ, I want to see if I can cultivate a relationship with him and then spend some time with them so that I can tell them about the God who saved me, can tell them about the God who delivered me from my sins so that that person won't die and go to hell. So let's look at some key application concepts that we find in the book of Joel. And again, we'll, again, we'll, we'll take a look at this. This is an overview. We're going to survey through it. Uh, but I want you to see this real quick because this, these are some things that we can learn ourselves, okay? Uh, the first thing, the first concept that we see in Joel is that when bad things happen, that's a good time to examine our own lives and purge out any known sin. When bad things happen, that's a good time for us to examine our own life and purge out any known sin. Any known sin. Now, sometimes, guys, we can have some sin in our life we don't know is sin, right? Is that right? Is that, have you ever been doing something you thought it was okay to do, but then you discovered when you start reading your Bible that it wasn't okay to do? Anybody? How many of y'all used to think it was okay to buy stuff on the lowdown, on the cheap, that somebody had stolen, and you knew they had stolen it, and you thought it was okay? Well, let me ask you this. How many of y'all bought some of that stuff? How many of y'all bought those bootleg DVDs that you sell in the barbershop? How many of y'all bought those purses that they brought around <laughs> on the cheap, Michael Kors, for $35? Is it Louis Vuitton? For $50. You can't get no real Louis Vuitton for $50. But your boy, your girl hooked you up. Now, there are people who, who, who thought, didn't think anything was wrong with that. I was talking to a brother the other, just, not just too long ago, and, and uh, he, was, he was talking to me, and I, I, I realized that he, he, he was talking to me about some stuff, and it was kind of, you know, I don't know, it was, it was some stuff that was not right, but he was talking to me like he didn't know it wasn't right. You ever had somebody just talk to you? And he knew I was a preacher. He knew I was a pastor. And he was telling me this stuff. I'm, like, I'm thinking to myself, and I, and I, you know, I just knew that he, he, he didn't have any self-awareness about the fact that what he was telling me was sin and he shouldn't have been doing it or she shouldn't have been doing it. Whoever was doing it shouldn't have been doing it. But, but, but he was talking and it, it, it just, it never fazed him. He just shared with me. He was honest with me, but he was just telling me some stuff that was clearly wrong for them to be doing, all right? And sometimes in our lives, guys, we're not careful, if we, especially when we're not in the Word, there can be some stuff that we're involved in that we should not be involved in. And until the Word of God is preached and declared to us and shown us as we study the Bible, we may not know that we're doing something that's wrong. 
But the Bible does say who, he, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him is what? Sin. So if, 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 if I know something to do and I don't do that, then that's sin to me. But in particular, once I discover, uh, you know, in other words, God, I believe that God will, you know, wrong is wrong, but if you don't know it's wrong, then I think you're going to be punished a little bit less than if you knew it was wrong. How many of y'all, if you told your child not to leave the house before you left to go to work and then you come home and you pass by the neighbor's house and they over the neighbor's house, will they get a little, a little deeper punishment because they knowingly and willingly disobeyed what you told them? Is that right? Come on now. Versus maybe they did something and they didn't know. You hadn't told them. You hadn't set those boundaries yet. And so you may, you may be a little bit easier on them when you haven't set those boundaries. But guys, this Judah had turned away from God. Judah had become prosperous and complacent. And that complacency drove them to the point to where they were, they were indulging in idol worship. They were indulging in sinful practices and it was not bothering them. Their conscience had become dull. And so I don't want this church, I don't want any believer here to become dull in their conscience to the point to where they have a reprobate mind. Go with me to Romans, the first chapter right quick. Let me share something with you. And I've shared this before, but I wanted you to say this again. Guys, I'm going to tell you, it is important for us as parents to teach our children and set boundaries for them. Go to Romans, the first chapter. Um... Go to verse number 18, Romans 1, verse number 18. Romans 1 and 18, glory to God. Are you still with me? And so as we look here, when bad things happen, that's a good time to examine your life and purge out any known sin. When, you, when something is going on in your life, I want to make sure, first of all, it's not the judgment of God that's trying to get me, get my attention about something that I shouldn't be doing. All right? But... But uh, this nation of Judah was facing the locust plague and all that because of their disobedience. Now, look at what the text says in Romans chapter number one. Look at verse number 18. Are y'all with me? Come on, let's go. It says what? But God shows his anger from heaven against all what? Sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Again, who's writing this text? The apostle Paul, who's he writing it to? Church at Rome, the saints at Rome, okay? He says, verse number 19, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his external power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Now, what Paul says here, guys, is that Basically, he says, God has made himself known in nature. God, God reveals himself in nature. He reveals himself uh, when you look at the stars in the sky, the planets, and all the stuff that's happening. He says, God has made himself known through creation. All right? So he says, really, for a person to say that there is no God, there's no excuse for that. Because there, there's no way 
that, that, that the planets could line up, that the seasons would, would come through like they do spring, summer, winter, and fall, that, that all the things that happen in life could happen without a, a divine creator creating it. If you believe all this stuff happened because some stuff was floating out in, in space and just bam together and it became in orderly fashion, man, that takes more faith to believe that than it does a creator. So what he says is, he says, uh, again, uh, through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Look at the next verse, 21. Let's read. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became what? Dark and confused. Mankind refused to accept the truth, and so their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools, and instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worship and serve the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Now watch this. Again, here's, here's what I want to share with you. Whether you realize or not, our, our young people gr have grown up in a generation where the culture said things were right that the Bible says were not right. And even some of our, our, our teenagers and middle schoolers are asking questions as if they don't think anything is wrong with what we're getting ready to talk about right here. And I, I, I want to share this with you guys because as parents and grandparents, you need to, to make sure that you spend some time uh, having uh, a, a deeper conversation with your children. Besides what your grades are at school, you want to know that, right? But you need to be asking them some, some open-ended questions. What do you think about that? Because guess what? You will never know what they think about that until you ask them what they think about that. Most of them aren't going to come and just volunteer and tell you what they think about that. They just keep on playing the video games and coming in and coming out and won't say a word. But have these conversations because some of our children, and, and again, we're, gonna, we're talking with our, our youth leaders to make sure that we don't send a mixed signal or a mixed message. There are certain things that biblically are not right and they're wrong. The culture may say it's okay, but the Bible says it's not okay. Look at what the text says here. Are y'all re ready? Let's read verse number 26. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, verse number 26. That's why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Now watch this. Even the women, when, when, when a reprobate mind comes in, when you deny truth, then you, your, your thought life becomes dark and shameful. He says that's why they abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. The reprobate mind, when mankind, as a general rule, pulled so far away from God, his mind denied the truth and became twisted and perverted. And it says this, the women turned against the natural way to have sex 
and instead indulge in sex with each other. Now, let me ask you a question. Is it, how does, what's the natural way for a woman to have sex? Okay, good. Y'all got that? out. The natural way for a woman to have sexual intercourse is not with another woman. In case you haven't noticed, a woman's private parts are not designed to penetrate another woman's private parts. That ain't too deep for y'all, is it? A woman's vagina is not designed to penetrate another woman's vagina. Yes. I don't care how you try to work it, it don't work. Okay? Even, I, I, I hope, I, I'm just trying to paint the right picture for you, so don't think I'm trying to be perverted or anything. I'm just sharing with you. The text says, even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulge in sex with each other. That's why, see, the natural way to have sex even comes into play when, when people who are, who are doing it the unnatural way are doing it. Because when they're doing it the unnatural way, one or the other usually straps on something that tries to make them natural. Don't y'all look at me like that. So even in their perversion, they're trying to do it the natural way, but it's unnatural for them because a woman's vagina was not designed biologically by God to, to have intercourse with another woman's vagina. It, it doesn't fit right. Okay? All right, so just let that sink in for a second. All right, so they turn against the natural way to have sex and instead indulge in sex with each other. Look at verse number 27. We're talking about what happens when uh, you, 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 you turn away from God, when you allow your mind to wander, when you allow the culture to penetrate your mind and to have you think a certain way? So I want you to know what we're teaching here. This is not, uh, when I teach this, I'm not teaching this in a, in a, in a derogatory way where I'm going to come out to somebody who may be struggling with this because we have people who struggle with homosexuality and lesbianism. And so as a church, we got to learn how to love those people and not, you know, do like they used to do, degrade people and, and come at them in a crazy sort of way. We, we, we can't accept that as an acceptable lifestyle, but we're going to love you if you're trying to, to, to overcome that. Now, it's one thing to be trying to overcome it. It's another thing to say, I don't care what the Bible says. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I feel. And, and pastor, I don't care what you say. This is what I'm going to do. That's different. Because you got to deal with that a little bit different than you do somebody who says, Pastor, I used to be involved with that, or maybe I'm struggling with that. I have same-sex attraction. Okay, we can deal with that. We can talk. We can pray through it with you. We can, we, we can give you some word. We can pray on that thing, and we can help you walk through it if you really want to get out of it. But that's where loving God more than you loving your own desires come into play. Are y'all with me? Because sometimes the church has gotten to the point to where they'll come out to the sin of homosexuality tougher than they, will, than they will the sin of adultery. Both of them sin. Hello? We'll come out to the sin of homosexuality and lesbianism harder than we will the sin of fornication. You up in here having sex outside of marriage, 
But you know, that's, that's a natural way to do it. So that, that's a little bit better. No, the Bible just says sin is sin. Okay, y'all got me? So what, what I'm saying is the church, if we're going to reach people who, whose minds have been, uh, 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 whose minds have been infiltrated and twisted by the enemy, we can't reach them by beating them and running them away. We've got to reach them by loving them with the love of Christ. Not accepting that lifestyle as natural and godly, but when we try to minister to them, we got to change the way we minister or have ministered in the past. You got you to you show love toward people, okay? Is everybody with me? Now watch this. Okay, let's move to the next verse. 28. Enough of that one. Well, and the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burn with lust for each other. Y'all think this stuff is new. It's not new. Come on, y'all remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Again, perverted. Perversion. Perversion. All right? Guys, a lot of stuff is happening. A lot. You see this stuff happening in the news. We, we've had stories here lately uh, uh, in our school system up here. A lot of that comes from uh, a, a mindset that's been, been that's void of judgment, that's been penetrated by the enemy, and all this child pornography and all this other stuff that's out there that, that, that's, that's actually denigrating the thought process. Guys, y'all remember in our authentic manhood class where we, we, we saw where how uh, pornography has the same effect on the brain as, as drugs or cocaine or marijuana. And it changes the contour and the, and the thought process of the brain. So when you see it has the same addictive nature as drugs do. And so when, when people get into that kind of stuff, then, then all of a sudden, what used to turn you on don't turn you on anymore. So now you're looking for something a little bit harder. Instead of X-rated, you want triple X. Okay. All right. All right, so watch what the text says. And the men, instead of having normal, normal sexual relations with women, so, so let's, let's, let's back up. What's the normal way for a man to have sex? With a woman, okay? Because a man's um, private part <laughs> was not designed to fit with another man's private parts. It just don't. Biologically, I've told y'all before, if I did not argue it theologically, I could argue it biologically. And biologically, they do not work. A man and a woman, can, a man and a man cannot procreate, a woman and a woman cannot procreate. A man and a man can't have a child, a woman and a woman can't have a child, okay? So, we know this, and again, I'm saying this because these are things you're going to have to teach your children in a biblical, uh, honest, you know, not a hateful, denigrating way, but in a loving way. Because some of your children know kids at school, or some of your children may be struggling with this. So how are you going to handle them? How are you going to deal with them? What are you going to say? Are you going to say, well, you know what, that's where my child is, so I'm going to accept my child. And so I'm going to no, no, listen, you love your child, but you don't accept sin. When you know what the Bible explicitly says here. So we got to decide, are we going to be biblical or are we going to be culturally correct? I choose to be biblical. 
And as long as God has me breathing here, I'm going to preach what the word of God says. I'm just telling you what the word says, right? And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserve. Okay? Verse 28, since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new, watch this, they invent new ways of sinning. And they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do those, these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. So that's what happens when you have a reprobate mind. A reprobate mind is a mind that's void of judgment. And so we go back to the book of Joel. Let's go back there right quick. In the book of Joel, we have a scenario where the people of God, the people of Judah, had turned their backs on God. When they became prosperous, when things were going well, they forgot about God. They became complacent and they forgot about God. All right? And so their minds were in a state where it was, uh, it, 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 was, it, it was time for God to bring judgment. So look at, look at the four things that happened. Notice these four things here, okay? First of all, the locust invasion was unexpected. It came out of nowhere. Guys, there are times when, when God is dealing with us, we think everything is smooth, everything going good. We got a little sin. We got it covered over here in the corner. And don't know about nobody but, but me and the person who I'm doing it with or just me and, me and the stuff that I'm buying that I'm snorting or doing whatever. It's just, it's just a private thing. I ain't bothering nobody. So why are you bothering me, Pastor? And people think that way. Pastor, why are you going why you, why, why you to talk about something that I'm doing? It's, I'm doing it in my own private home. I'm not hurting anybody. Guys, let me tell you something. We are our brother's keepers. And so when you come and you join the body of Christ, you are a part of me and I'm a part of you. So this, this mindset, and guys, I can sense it that it's, it's crept even into this church well, people, people don't want you to tell them about their sin. People don't want you to talk about sin. Some of y'all get uncomfortable when we talk about sin. Guys, listen, if Ryan said earlier, uh, if, 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 if I mess up, amen, fess up. All of us have, have it may not have been this what we're talking about here, but there's areas in our life where we've messed up and went outside of God's will for our life. So what I'm telling you is we're not going to throw you away. We're going to love on you. But we don't want to love on you and don't take that as meaning that, well, I just keep doing my thing. Because the church, they're going to love me. They, they, they ain't going to say nothing. No, we're going to say something. And prayerfully, you'll listen to uh, you know, good biblical teaching and, and, and correction when it comes your way. Because whom the Lord loves you does what he chases. And guess who God's going to use to chase you? He'll, use, he'll use the preacher if you'll listen to him. But guess what happens? When you stop listening to me, he goes a step further. And sometimes, yeah, you can eat up by some locals, amen? Uh, sometimes if, 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 if you don't listen to the word, a corrective word that's coming, you know it's dealing with your life situation, then God has to go to another step. He'll, he'll bring others in to talk to you, but then he'll, he'll, start, he'll start allowing situations to come into your life to try to get you to 
turn your heart and your mind back to him. All right? So, so, the local, so, so his judgment was, it, it was unexpected and it came out of nowhere. Second thing you notice about this, it struck the nation at a point of great vulnerability, which was the food supply. When your food supply goes away, then, then it's going to cause you to look and do something different. Because how many of y'all like to eat? How many of y'all like me, you like to eat? How many of y'all are connoisseurs of fine tastes? How many of y'all don't, don't just like food, just any food, but you like good quality, good tasting, good seasoned food that makes you think when you eat it, you go, mmm. <laughs> and y'all ever ate something and go, mmm. It's like you're like, Lord Jesus, this is good. Now, again, I've always said this, guys, when your stomach gets full, it's full, and it really don't care what's in it because it's full. You can have pork and beans and rice and get full off of that. But isn't it, isn't it, isn't it a joy <laughs> to have food that's seasoned good and seasoned? It's not like beans out of a can. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, it's seasoned good, bro. Carl. That, that, I'm that kind of eater. I don't know about anybody else. I'm that kind of eater. I like to savor the taste. But when the food supply stops, It'll cause everybody to stand up and take notice. So uh, it struck the nation at a point of great vulnerability, which is their food supply. The third thing is the result, it resulted in great mourning. They, they, they were mourning. They were, they, they, they were sorrowful about what was going on at this point in time. And immediate repentance was the need of the day. They needed to repent immediately. Go back to, go back to Joel right quick. Let's look at this, a few passage scriptures here and we're going to keep moving here. All right? So... Uh, so we see where it was unexpected. It came out of nowhere. Um, and guys, in our own lives, sometimes we experience unexpected trials that hit us hard at a point of vulnerability, right? Maybe it's a sudden illness that, that came in their life. Maybe it's a sudden financial crisis. Maybe it was a sudden relational crisis. Something happened in your relationship with your spouse or with your children that was unexpected. It broke the fellowship. Have y'all ever had that happen before where you, something happens and it broke the fellowship in the relationship that mean the most important thing to you in your life? When, 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 your, when your fellowship and your peace with your spouse is broken, that's a tough thing. When your fellowship and your peace with your child is broken or your mama or your daddy or whoever is broken, it can be a tough situation, right? Uh, but you know what? During those times is when the times we ought to do what we call self-examination. Find out what it is, what caused that, because uh, our first response, get, hear me carefully, our first response ought to be to seek God's deliverance in the situation. That's what I do. When something unexpected comes up or when, it, when, when it's, it's, it's a tragedy or a crisis comes up, the first thing I want to do is I want to seek God and ask for his deliverance. But it's also a time for me to do some self-examination to figure out, am, am I in this position because I, maybe I'm, I'm not being alert? Maybe I've gotten complacent. Maybe God is allowing this to come into my life to shake me up, to get me out of my sense of complacency. Because, guys, you can, get, you can easily get sucked into the habit of coming to church Sunday and Wednesday, Sunday and Wednesday, and just be cool with that. When God says, I want to do much more with your life, I want to use you in a greater way, in a way that you can't even imagine, but I can't do it if you're just complacent. And every time a ministry opportunity comes up, you said, no, nah, get somebody else, Pastor. 
You say, no, I don't have time to do that. When you say, well, I know, God, you put in my spirit to go talk to that person, but you know what, I, I'm, you know, I'm afraid to because I go talk to them, maybe they won't like me. Or maybe, maybe they're going to get mad at me if I start talking to them about what I see and what, I, what I've observed in their life. But God wants to use all of us at a higher level than what we are currently being utilized. Can I get a witness? Go over right quick to 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. A good time for self-examination, a time to examine our spiritual state and purge anything that needs purging. So the locust swarm came. The locust swarm came upon them. It came. And we're, and we're, we're gonna, I'm going to let you go in about four minutes. But the locust swarm came, but it was judgment from God. Why? Because what? They, they, they became prosperous and complacent. They started slipping into idolatry, slipping into sin, and they were not honoring God with their lives. 2 Corinthians 13, chapter, look, at me, look with me at verse number 5. 2 Corinthians 13, verse number 5. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? Well, go back to verse number 1. Go to verse number 1. 2 Corinthians 13, chapter, verse number 1. Who's writing here? Who's he writing to? Okay. What do you know about the church of Corinth? What's some things you know about them? For, huh? They had all kind of stuff going on. They, the first letter let us know they were, they were, they were flowing in spiritual gifts, but they were, they were very immature spiritually, right? Uh, and that immaturity manifested itself what? In sinful lifestyle, jealousy, envy. Jealousy, envy, strife, all happening amongst the people of God in the church at Corinth. So Paul says, some stuff I want to tell you, I can't tell you because you can't even handle it because you're still a spiritual baby. There are people in your family that can't handle some stuff you need to tell them. Because they're, they, 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 they're church people and they've, they've gone to church all their life, but they're, they're still spiritual babies. And when you start talking this stuff that we're talking and start going through the scripture, they, they get, they, 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 they'll start to get a little prideful and push back on you because now you're trying to tell them what the word of God says. And then they'll tell you this, who you think you are. I remember when you were born, I used to change your diapers, boy. Well, mama, you did change my diaper, but you hadn't grown. I'm growing in, in the faith and I'm telling you what the word of God says. Your mama when it comes to the spiritual side of the house, your mama in her position is the mama don't take precedent over what God is doing and through his word through you. Respect mama, respect daddy, but if mama and daddy are wrong, show them in the word where they're wrong. And don't disagree with them because of your mama and your daddy. Obey God rather than what? Man. Respect them. Say, mom, I can't go with you on that. You're wrong. Here's what the word of God says. Let the word stand versus mama's thinking. All right, now watch it. Look at Paul. This is the third time I'm coming to you. And as the scripture says, the facts of every case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I've already warned those who have, who have been, I've already warned those who had been sinning when I was there on my second visit. Now again, now I again warned them and all others just as I did before, that next time I will not spare them. Paul said that 
through my apostolic role as overseeing this church, there's some folks who were sinning, and I warned them the last time I was there. Uh, he said, watch what he says. I've already warned those who have been sinning when I was there on my second visit. Now, I again warned them and all others, just as I did before. The next time, I will not spare them. Paul said, I'm going to deal with your stuff. I warned you the last time, but I'm going to deal with your stuff. Deal with sin, guys. Don't let sin permeate throughout your house. When you know something is wrong, address it. When something is wrong at work, learn how to address it in the right way. Go through the proper channels and address wrongdoing. Verse 3, I give you all the proof that you want that Christ speaks through me. Christ is not weak when he deals with you. He is powerful among you. Although he was crucified in weakness, he now lives by the power of God. We too are weak just as Christ was, but when we deal with you, we will be alive with him and will have God's power. Paul says, I'm going to deal with you differently than I did the last time I was with you. I just warned you last time, but this next time I'm going to come down hard on you because some stuff needs to be dealt with. Look at verse 5. Look at what it says. Can you all read it with me? Let's read. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Christ Jesus is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Verse 6 for good measure. As you test yourselves, I hope you will recognize that we have not failed the test of apostolic authority. Paul says, when you examine yourself, when you look at my apostolic authority, you're going to see that, that I did what an apostle should do. I provided oversight and covering for you. I'm calling out sin in the camp that needs to be dealt with. I, 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 I warned you the last time, but the next time I come, I'm going to deal with you a little bit more harshly. Because we can't allow this sin to keep on running rampant because a little, a little leaven does what? Leavens the whole lump. All right. So let's get back to, uh, and we're going we're gonna to close out here. Go back to Joel and look at, look at the second uh, point I want to make on that. First key application is when bad things happen, that's a good time to examine your life and purge out any known sin. Stuff you know you should not be doing. Look at your life, say, this is something that I should not be doing. Whatever that is, using profanity, uh, you know, indulge in sexual immorality, lying. Guys, let me tell you something. How many of y'all know in today's culture, people don't care if you lie? This, this lying stuff got to stop. Start at the top, from the president on down, from the preacher on down, from the deacon on down, the usher on down. Tell the truth. Speak the truth in love. Quit lying. People lie all the time. We lie by telling one, committing a lie, and we lie by omitting stuff to give a picture that's not really true. So if you lie a lot, examine yourself and say, you know what, I need to stop lying and just tell the truth. Some people lie because they're afraid to, to, uh, to actually deal with issues uh, up front and openly. So we'll you you will lie and won't won't say what we really feel. Is anything wrong? No. Yes, it is. That was a lie, wasn't it? You know something was wrong, but you told a lie. Come on, can we admit it? How many of y'all have ever said nothing is wrong when something was wrong? How many of y'all know that's a lie? Okay, come on, confess up, confess up, confess up, confess up. You said nothing was wrong. And something was wrong. If you didn't want to talk about it, just say, 
Don't, don't, I don't want to talk about it right now. Don't say nothing is wrong because when you say nothing is wrong, you just told a ball face lie. That was a warhouse lie. And Christians should not lie. The Bible says God, something the Lord hates, one of them was a lying tongue. Let's speak the truth. Speak the truth to people. Uh, speak the truth in love. There's a way to speak the truth, not harshly, not b- blowing over people, but speak the truth in love, okay? All right, last thing. All right, so uh, examine ourselves. Whatever, whatever it is that's in your life, uh, I'm not asking you to come in and tell me about it, but just examine yourself. Because the Bible even says this, if we will judge it, God won't judge it. All right? Are y'all with me? If we learn, if we judge it, then God wants to come and judge it. I would much rather look at my life and see something that's wrong and, and make the course correction and have God have to come and deal with me like he did Judah here and send a locust plague and eat up all my food supply. I wouldn't want that. Amen. I, I'd rather deal with it myself and judge it myself. And the way I judge it is I examine my life and see, is that right or wrong? If it's wrong, I do something different than what, and, and start doing what's right. Amen. That's how we judge ourselves. So last, last point, uh, number two, we said future judgment ought to motivate present repentance for everyone. And we'll see that we go, we go to that second chapter of Joel. Future judgment, and again, I'm, we just surveyed this. I'm not going to go verse by verse, but that first chapter deals with uh, Judah's uh, sinful uh, response to God when God had prospered them and blessed them, okay? So we'll pick up on next week, future judgment ought to, ought to motivate present repentance for everyone. When I know that, there's going to come a day when, as a Christian, I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ at the beam of judgment seat of Christ and give an account for how I live my Christian life. I won't have to give an account for, um, I, I won't stand before Jesus to decide whether or not, whether or not I'm going to get to heaven, get to heaven uh, or, or have to go to hell. I, that, that's already been decided. When I invite him to be my Lord and Savior, then that was settled in. But I will be judged on how well I live my Christian life, how faithful I was to the things that God told me to do. How did I handle the responsibility that God entrusted me with? I'm going to be judged on that, and you are too. All of us are going to have to go before Jesus, and some of our work's going to, we're going to get reward for it, and some of the stuff is going to be burnt up. It's going to be toast. It's going to, it's going to, just, it's going to be blacker than black. Just burn up because we didn't do it with the right motive. We did the wrong reason. Maybe we, we try to get glory for it ourselves. Whatever the reason, it, 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 it wasn't honoring God, okay? So we'll pick up in the second chapter on next week. So make sure you bring your outline back, and we'll, we'll delve back into the book of Joel on next week, okay? Get a hold of hand of praise. God bless you.